decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your Squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARM studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Happy Reformation Day. Happy All Hallows Eve. I hope you have a wonderful day planned today. I do. I have to go to the courthouse and register a car and pay my tank rent for my propane tank, mail something. Yeah, the one check, the one bill I pay by check, I have to get that in the mail today. And living out here in the woods in the 20, let's see, we're coming up on our 24th anniversary, so we've lived here 23 years, and in all of that time, we've never had a trick-or-treater. So we didn't even buy candy this year. So if you were planning on trick-or-treating and stopping by our house, I guess I'll give you a filbert like I give my squirrel because that's what's by the front door. <laughs> it's a bag of filberts. Mm. It is October 31st, 2022, and this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated primarily to the public reading of Scripture and secondarily to my thoughts on various topics of the day. It's good to have you with us. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to christianpodcastcommunity.org. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are sure to find something worth listening to. We are reading through the Bible in the Legacy Standard Bible Translation. And where is my... There it is. Checklist. We are starting week 44 today. Just flying through the Bible. I, uh, I've been enjoying it. I hope you have been too. It's been enjoyable to to read the Legacy Standard Bible. Um, so we're not going to do a entire Bible read-through on Squirrel Chatter next year. We're going to do something else. I'm still up in the air about what I'm going to do. Got some ideas. Got some thoughts. We'll have. I've, I've still got two months to figure it out. And, uh, but we'll figure it out. We will. Tomorrow is November 1st. We are, we are sliding rapidly toward the end of the year. We got uh, uh, the election day is coming up on November 8th. I'm going to talk a bit more about that tomorrow as we're looking at one week from tomorrow is the election. So that's, uh, that's coming up. And we've got uh, Thanksgiving coming up just a couple weeks after that. And then month after Thanksgiving, we got Christmas. Week after Christmas, we got New Year's. This year is almost over. And uh, so, and just to remind you, November 8th is Election Day. November 9th is the beginning of the 2024 presidential election cycle. Uh, yeah. Sometimes... I see the great benefit of a monarchy, <laughs> of not having to deal with elections. Um, there were benefits to a monarchy, and uh, of course I am a closet monarchist in a lot of ways, and of course 
Christ is king. He's not president. We don't elect him. He rules. And uh, his rule and his reign will be a perfect government, which is something we can look forward to. A perfect government with perfect justice. And uh, that will be a good thing. All right. Well, we are reading through the entire Bible in the Legacy Standard Bible. And our scripture reading today is going to be Ezekiel 16 through 18 and John 6. And then I've got some Monday meanderings about Reformation Day and about trick-or-treat. So we'll get there. Um, I'm not a horribly anti-Halloween person. I have fond memories of Halloween. Mm. I have fond memories of coffee, too. Fond memories of caffeine. Of, uh, caffeine. <laughs> yes, I do. I have fond memories of Halloween. Um, I don't know if it was a more innocent age or if I was simply at a more innocent age. I think a lot of the darkness of Halloween crept in during the 80s and 90s. Um, the Halloween that I remember from my childhood was a more fun Halloween. Yeah, we had, you know, our, our versions of scary movies that we would stay up and watch when I was little. You know, we could watch the, the Boris Karloff Frankenstein or the uh, Bela Lugosi Dracula or the Lon Chaney the Werewolf. Those classic, classic old movies. And uh, I remember all the, all the TV series. I'll, I'll save that for Monday Meanderings. We'll get to that in a minute. All right, our scripture reading today is Ezekiel 16 through 18 and John chapter 6. So without any further ado, let's jump into our prayer of confession from the 1552 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who hast caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which thou hast given us in our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Ezekiel. Chapter 16. Then the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations, and say, Thus says Lord Yahweh to Jerusalem, Your origin and your birth are from the land of the Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. As for your birth, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water for cleansing. You were not rubbed with salt or even wrapped in clothes. No eye had pity on you to do any of these things for you. 
to have compassion on you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for your soul was abhorred on the day you were born. Then I passed by you and saw you squirming in your blood. So I said to you while you were in your blood, live. Indeed, I said to you while you were in your blood, live. I made you numerous like plants of the field. Then you grew up, became tall, and came into age for fine ornaments. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. Then I passed by you and saw you, and behold, you were at the time for love. So I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. I also swore to you and entered into a covenant with you, so that you became mine, declares Lord Yahweh. Then I washed you with water, rinsed your blood off from you, and anointed you with oil. I also clothed you with embroidered cloth and put sandals of porpoise skin on your feet, and I wrapped you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I also adorned you with ornaments and put bracelets on your hands and a necklace around your neck. I also put a ring in your nose, earrings in your ears, and a splendid crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour, honey, and oil, so you were exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. Then your name went forth among the nations on account of your beauty, for it was perfect because of my majesty, which I set on you, declares Lord Yahweh. But you trusted in your beauty and played the harlot because of your name, and you poured out your harlotries on every passerby who might be willing. You took some of your clothes made for yourself high places of various colors and played the harlot on them, which should never come about nor happen. You also took your splendid jewelry made of my gold and my silver, which I had given you, and you made for yourself male images that you might play the harlot with them. Then you took your embroidered cloth and covered them and gave my oil and my incense before them. Also my bread, which I gave you, fine flour, oil, and honey, with which I had you eat, you gave before them for a soothing aroma. So it happened, declares Lord Yahweh. Moreover, you took your sons and daughters whom you had borne to me and sacrificed them to idols to be devoured. Were your harlotries so small a matter? You slaughtered my children and gave them up to idols by causing them to pass through the fire. Besides all your abominations and harlotries, you did not remember the days of your youth, when you were naked and bare, you were squirming in your blood. Now it happened after all your evil. Woe, woe to you, declares Lord Yahweh, that you built yourself a shrine and made yourself a high place in every square. You built yourself a high place at the head of every street and made your beauty abominable. And you spread your legs to every passerby to multiply your harlotry. You also played the harlot with the Egyptians, your lustful neighbors, and you multiplied your harlotry to provoke me to anger. Behold, I have stretched out my hand against you and cut off your rations, and I gave you up to the desire of those who hate you, the daughters of the Philistines who are ashamed of your lewd way. Moreover, you played the harlot with the Assyrians because you were not satisfied. You played the harlot with them and still were not satisfied. You also multiplied your harlotry with the land of merchants, Chaldea, yet even with this you were not satisfied. How languishing is your heart, declares Lord Yahweh, while you do all these things, the actions of a bold-faced harlot. 
when you built your shrine at the head of every way and made your high place in every square, in disdaining your earnings, you were not like a harlot, you adulterous wife, who takes strangers instead of her husband. Men give gifts to all harlots, but you give your gifts to all your lovers to bribe them to come to you from all around for your harlotries. Thus you are the opposite of those women in your harlotries, in that no one plays the harlot as you do, because you give away your earnings and no earnings are given to you. Thus you are the opposite. Therefore, O harlot, hear the word of Yahweh. Thus says Lord Yahweh, Because your lewdness was poured out and your nakedness covered through your harlotries with your lovers and with all your abominable idols, and because of the blood of your sons which you gave to idols, therefore behold, I will gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure, even all those whom you loved and all those whom you hated, so I will gather them against you from all around and uncover your nakedness to them, that they may see all your nakedness. Thus I will judge you like women who commit adultery or shed blood are judged. And I will bring on you the wrath, the blood of wrath and jealousy. I will also give you into the hands of your lovers, and they will pull down your shrines, tear down your high places, strip you of your clothing, take away your splendid jewelry, and will leave you naked and bare. They will bring up an assembly against you, and they will stone you and cut you to pieces with their swords. They will burn your houses with fire and execute judgment on you in the sight of many women. Then I will make you cease from playing the harlot, and you will also no longer give your earnings to your lovers. So I will cause my wrath against you to be at rest, and my jealousy will depart from you, and I will be quiet, and I will not be provoked any more, because you have not remembered the days of your youth, but have enraged me by all these things. Behold, I in turn will bring your way down on your own head, declares Lord Yahweh, so that you will not commit this lewdness on top of your other abominations. Behold, everyone who quotes Proverbs will quote this proverb concerning you, saying, like mother, like daughter. You are the daughter of your mother who loathed her husband and children. You are also the sister of your sisters who loathed their husbands and children. Your mother was a Hittite, and your father an Amorite. Now your older sister is Samaria, who lives north of you with her daughters, and your younger sister, who lives south of you, is Sodom with her daughters. Yet you have not merely walked in their ways or done according to their abominations. But, as if that were too little, you acted more corruptly in all your ways than they. As I live, declares Lord Yahweh, Sodom, your sister, and her daughters have not done as you, and your daughters have done. Behold, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had lofty pride, abundant food, and quiet ease, but she did not strengthen the hand of the afflicted and needy. Then they were haughty and committed abominations before me, so I removed them when I saw it. Furthermore, Samaria did not commit half of your sins, for you have multiplied your abominations more than they. Thus you have made your sisters appear righteous by all your abominations which you have done. Also bear your dishonor in that you have made judgment favorable for your sisters. Because of your sins in which you acted more abominably, abominably than they, they are more in the right than you. Yes, be also ashamed and bear your dishonor in that you made your sisters appear righteous." 
Nevertheless, I will return their captivity, the captivity of Sodom and her daughters, the captivity of Samaria and her daughters, and along with them your own captivity, in order that you may bear your dishonor and feel dishonor for all that you have done when you, come, when you become a comfort to them. Your sister Sodom with her daughters and Samaria with her daughters will return to their former state, and you with your daughters will also return to your former state. As the name of your sister Sodom was not heard in your mouth in your days of lofty pride, before your wickedness was uncovered, so now you have become the reproach of the daughters of Edom and of all who are around her, of the daughters of the Philistines, those all around you who despise you. You have borne the penalty of your lewdness and abominations, declares Yahweh. For thus says Lord Yahweh, I will also do with you as you have done, you who have despise the oath by breaking the covenant. Nevertheless, I myself will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Then you will remember your ways and feel dishonor when you receive your sisters, both your older and your younger, and I will give them to you as daughters, but not because of your covenant. Thus I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall know that I am Yahweh." so that you may remember and be ashamed and never open your mouth anymore because of your dishonor. When I have atoned for you, for all that I have done, for all that you have done, declares Lord Yahweh. Chapter 17. Now the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, propound a riddle and speak a parable to the house of Israel. And you will say, Thus says Lord Yahweh, A great eagle with great wings, long pinions, and a full plumage of many colors, came to Lebanon and took away the top of the cedar. He plucked off the topmost of its young twigs and brought it to a land of merchants. He set it in a city of traders. He also took some of the seed of the land and planted it in a field fit for seed. He placed it beside abundant waters. He set it like a willow. Then it sprouted and became a low-spreading vine with its foliage turned toward him, but its roots remained under it. So it became a vine and yielded shoots and sent out branches. But there was another great eagle with great wings and much plumage. And behold, this vine bent its roots toward him and sent out its foliage toward him from the beds where it was planted, that he might water it. It was planted in a good field beside abundant waters, that it might yield branches and bear fruit and become a majestic vine. Say, Thus says Lord Yahweh, Will it succeed? Will he not pull up its roots and cut off its fruit, so that it dries up, so that all its sprouting leaves dry up? And neither by great strength nor by many people can it be raised from its roots again. And behold, though it is planted, will it succeed? Will it not completely dry up as soon as the east wind strikes it, dry up on the beds where it sprouted? Moreover, the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Say now to the rebellious house, do you not know that these things, what these things mean? Say, Behold, the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem, took its kings and princes, and brought them to him in Babylon. He took one of the royal seed and coveted covenant with him, and brought him under oath. He also took away the dominant one of the land, that the kingdom might become lowly, not lifting itself up, but keeping his covenant, that it might continue. But he rebelled against him by sending his messengers to Egypt, that they might give him horses and many troops. Will he succeed? 
Will he who does such things escape? Can he indeed break the covenant and escape? As I live, declares Lord Yahweh, surely in the country of the king who made him king, whose oath he despised and whose covenant he broke, in Babylon he shall die. And Pharaoh with his mighty military force and great assembly will not help him in the war when they cast up ramps and build siege walls to cut off many lives. Now he despised the oath by breaking the covenant, and behold, he pledged his allegiance, yet did all these things, he shall not escape. Therefore thus says Lord Yahweh, As I live, surely my oath which he despised and my covenant which he broke, I will put on his head. I will spread my net over him, and he will be caught in my snare. Then I will bring him to Babylon and enter into judgment with him there regarding the unfaithful act which he has committed against me. All the choice men and his troops will fall by the sword, and the remnant will be scattered to every wind, and you will know that I, Yahweh, have spoken. Thus says Lord Yahweh, I will also take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and set it out. I will pluck from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one, and I will plant it on an exalted and lofty mountain. On the high mountain of Israel I will plant it, that it may lift up its boughs and yield fruit and become a majestic cedar. And birds of every kind will dwell under it. They will dwell in the shade of its branches. And all the trees of the field will know that I am Yahweh. I bring down the exalted tree, exalt the low tree, dry up the green tree, and make the dry tree flourish. I am Yahweh. I have spoken. I will do it. Chapter 18 Then the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, what do you mean by using this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers eat sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge? As I live, declares Yahweh, you are surely not going to use this proverb in Israel any more. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. The soul who sins will die. But if a man is righteous and does justice and righteousness and does not eat at the mountain shrines or lift up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel or defile his neighbor's wife or approach a woman during her menstrual period, if a man does not mistreat anyone but returns to the debtor his pledge, does not commit robbery, but gives his bread to the hungry and covers the naked with clothing, if he does not lend money on interest or take increase, if he turns his hand from injustice and does true justice between man and man, if he walks in my statutes and my judgments and is careful to do the truth, he is righteous and will surely live, declares Lord Yahweh. Then he may have a violent son who sheds blood and who does any of these things to a brother, though he himself did not do any of these things. That is, he even eats at the mountain shrines and defiles his neighbor's wife. He mistreats the afflicted and needy, commits robbery, does not return a pledge, but lifts up his eyes to the idols and does abominations. He lends money on interests and takes increase. Will he live? He will not live. He has done all these abominations. He will surely be put to death. His blood will be on himself. Now behold, he has a son who has seen all his father's sins, which he has done. And he saw this, but he, does not, but he does not do likewise. He does not eat at the mountain shrines or lift up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel or defile his neighbor's wife or mistreat anyone or retain a pledge or commit robbery, 
but he gives his bread to the hungry and covers the naked with clothing. He turns his hand away from the afflicted, does not take interest or increase, but does my judgments and walks in my statutes. He will not die for his father's iniquity. He will surely live. As for his father, because he practiced extortion, robbed his brother, and did what was not good among his people, behold, he will die for his iniquity. Yet you say, why should the son not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity? But the son has done justice and righteousness, has kept all my statutes and done them. He shall surely live. The soul who sins will die. The son will not bear the iniquity of the father, nor will the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. But if the wicked man turns from all his sins which he has done, and keeps my statutes, and does justice and righteousness, he shall surely live, he shall not die. All his transgressions which he has done will not be remembered against him. Because of his righteousness which he has done, he will live. Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares Lord Yahweh? Is it not that he should turn from his ways and live? But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, does injustice, and does according to all the abominations that a wicked man does, will he live? All his righteous deeds which he has done will not be remembered for his unfaithfulness which he has committed and his sin which he has committed. For them he will die. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not right. Hear now, O house of Israel, is my way not right? Is it not your ways that are not right? When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, does injustice, and dies because of it, for his injustice which he has done, he will die. Again, when a wicked man turns away from his wickedness which he has done, and does justice and righteousness, he will preserve his life. Again, he considered and turned away from all his transgressions which he had done. He shall surely live. He shall not die. But the house of Israel says, The way of the Lord is not right. Are my ways not right, O house of Israel? Is it not your ways that are not right? Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, each according to his way, declares Lord Yahweh. Turn back and turn away from all your transgressions, so that iniquity may not become a stumbling block to you. Cast away from yourselves all your transgressions, which you have committed, and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Now, why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares Lord Yahweh. Therefore, turn back and live. And now John chapter 6. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. Now a large crowd was following him, because they were seeing the signs which he was doing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he was sitting down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where should we buy bread so that these people may eat? And this he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, 
But what are these for so many people? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, likewise also of the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had done, they were saying, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. So Jesus, knowing that they were going to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, and after getting into a boat, they began to cross the sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus was not yet come to them. And the sea was stirred up because of a strong wind was because a strong wind was blowing. Then, when they had rowed about twenty-five or thirty stadia, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, "It is I; do not be afraid." So they were willing to receive him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other small boat there except one, and that Jesus had not entered with the disciples into the boat, but, his, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other small boats came from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father, God, set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What should we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Moses has not given you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread, from, bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do, the will, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, 
that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, Stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which came down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And also the bread which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, For this reason I have said to you, that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples went away and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go also? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I myself choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? Now he was speaking of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. This is the word of the Lord. And now the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now the Collect for Grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings may be ordered by thy governance, to do always that is righteous in thy sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. Well, it's Monday, and we got Monday meanderings, and today is a big day because it is the 505th anniversary of the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. Now, we say it was the beginning of the Protestant Reformation because it was, because this was the first, the first break with Rome in the West. I mean, the Eastern Orthodox Church had broke with Rome and split off centuries before. But this was the first time in the West that the power of the Roman Church was broken and it stuck. You had had men before who had taught the same things that Martin Luther taught, but they had been declared heretics and and <laughs> in one case, burnt after they were dead. John Wycliffe, they, they actually dug up his bones and burnt them. Jan Hus, who had become an unwitting disciple of Wycliffe, um, he was burnt at the stake as a heretic. And it was 100 years after Jan Hus that we had Martin Luther. Now, Martin Luther, by his own testimony, was not yet a Christian in 1517. It appears that he was not converted until 1519. But despite that, God used him to start the Protestant Reformation in 1517. This is the famous event where he nailed his 95 theses to the wall to the door at the, the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. And the 95 Theses was a debate topic challenge. Um, he was a university professor. This was not an uncommon thing that if somebody felt strongly about an issue, they would issue a challenge like this, and then somebody would come and debate them on it, and that debate would help. This was debate was a much more rigorous and acceptable academic discipline than it is today. Um, you don't see a lot of formal debate in college outside of the competitive debate. And in competitive debate, and, and what I mean by competitive debate is where the debate itself is a competition, not necessarily a true discussion of subjects. Um, I did some debate in high school. That was not my event. I was an alternate on the debate team. Um, and the thing with the, with the competitive debate 
at least as it was when I was in high school, um, there would be a single thesis statement for the whole season. And every debate team had to research and argue both sides. So you had to have all of your arguments in place to argue for something, and you had to have arguments in place to argue against the same thing. So this sort of debate is not an area of conviction. It's an area of skill and rhetoric. Um, useful skills, by the way. But, and, and, and honestly, even if you are of a conviction of one side of a debate or another, it's a good idea to know and understand and be able to articulate the other side's arguments um, because that way you know what you're arguing against. So it's, you know, this sort of competitive debate is a, is a but there was also this rigorous academic debate where they were actually getting together to try to settle issues, to try to bring forth topics. Well, what was the incident that caused Martin Luther to issue his debate challenge? It was the selling of indulgences. It was the selling of indulgences to fund the building of St. Paul's Cathedral in Rome. Now, what an indulgence is, you have to understand the entire Roman Catholic doctrine of purgatory. In Roman Catholic doctrine, the sacrifice of Christ is not sufficient to redeem you of your sins. He kind of redeems you of most of your sins. But then you have to work to redeem yourself from other sins. And no, it's not logical. But they have developed this doctrine of purgatory, that there is a place where you go after you die to purge yourself of these remaining sins. It's a place of suffering, but it's not eternal hell. So you go to purgatory and you are cleansed of your remaining sins. They are purged from you through suffering and apparently very unpleasant suffering. And so a person would die and go to purgatory and they would be in purgatory perhaps for centuries before finally being cleansed of all their sin and being allowed into heaven. Now that's one concept that you have to understand as you think about indul indulgences. The other thing you have to understand is something called the treasury of merit. The treasury of merit. Now, most people don't have enough righteousness to go straight into heaven, right? That's why they have to go to purgatory. But the saints beginning with Mother Mary. You have Mary, you have all of the Roman Catholic saints 
These are the people that are canonized. This is that higher level. Now, you know, we understand that biblically and theologically, a saint is simply someone whom God has saved. But in Roman Catholic doctrine, a saint is a super Christian. Saints basically get to heaven on their own. They're not sinless, but their sins are paid for by Christ, and then they, in working works of righteousness, they work more works of righteousness than they would need to actually skip purgatory and go straight to heaven. Well, the extra righteousness that they didn't need to go to heaven is placed in the treasury of merit. So the treasury of merit is a storehouse of extra righteousness. And the Pope has the authority to dispense that righteousness to others and get them out of purgatory. And so the selling of indulgences was the purchase of a papal indulgence granting this excess merit necessary to skip purgatory. Now, we think of an indulgence as, you know, letting, you know, I'll buy an indulgence and that will let me indulge in some sin. And that's not the sales pitch. The sales pitch had to do with your deceased relatives, your mother, your father, your wife, who is suffering in purgatory. Yet you could purchase an indulgence and get your grandmother out of purgatory, your grandmother who was so nice to you when you were growing up, She's now suffering in purgatory, and you have the ability, by giving money to the building of the cathedral in Rome, you have the ability to get your grandmother out of purgatory and stop her suffering. Your poor mother, don't you want her to get out of purgatory? This was the sales pitch. This was the guilt trip that was laid on people. You know, if you're not willing to part with those coins, you don't love your mother because you're going to let your mother suffer in purgatory. But if you, you know, for, for the, for the low, low price of 1995, you too can get your mother out of purgatory. And there was a man named Johann Tetzel. Uh, and he was traveling through the area where Martin Luther was a, a monk in Wittenberg. He was a monk and he was a university professor, professor of Bible. Remember, not a Christian. He was a devoted Roman Catholic. And so Luther believed in purgatory at this time. He, he, he of course, came to understand that was erroneous very quickly. But at this time, he believed in purgatory. Johann Tetzel was going through towns around Wittenberg, selling indulgences to raise money for St. Patrick's Cathedral in Rome. 
and Luther heard about it, and it struck him as wrong. And so, and, and Johann Tetzel had a famous sales pitch slogan where he would say, as soon as a coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. So you buy the indulgence, you get your relative out of, your beloved mother out of purgatory. So people weren't buying indulgences for themselves so much as they were giving into this guilt trip of buying indulgences for their loved ones. Well, this set Luther's teeth on edge. So his 95 theses are arguments against the selling of indulgences. That was his debate topic. There's nothing about salvation by grace through faith. There's nothing about the gospel. There's nothing, I mean, it was a, you know, when we think of the Protestant Reformation, quite honestly, the 95 Theses have very little to do with what the Protestant Reformation ended up being all about. But this was the spark. Because unlike during Wycliffe's time and unlike during Huss's time, printing was now a thing. Prior to the invention of the Gutenberg Press, people had to handwrite anything. If you wanted a copy, you had to sit down and hand copy it, or you had to pay a scribe to hand copy it. You couldn't just, you know, go buy a copy. And in fact, that's how Jan Hus became a disciple of John Wycliffe. Jan Hus was in Bavaria, and one of his jobs as a college student, <clears throat> excuse me, was to make copies of Wycliffe's writings for the people who had the money to pay for them. So as a college student, he was earning extra money by copying Wycliffe's writings, and in doing so, he absorbed Wycliffe's theology. Wycliffe and, and Huss were teaching, as I said, the same things that Martin Luther would come to teach, but this was all before printing. So there was no way to rapidly disseminate their teachings. Martin Luther comes along. Printing is now a thing. Well, he nails his debate challenge up on the wall. And unbeknownst to him, without his asking or his permission or his knowledge, some of his students took down his 95 Theses took them to a print shop, had them typeset, printed them, and they got spread all around Germany. This came to the attention of the Pope, Luther, you know, and, and meanwhile, like I said, that was 1517 and 1519, Luther got saved. And, and so you had all of these things come together, and it was just the spark that started it. So when we look back at the Protestant Reformation, we mark today as the beginning, even though the doctrines of the Reformation had not been formulated yet, uh, other than by Wycliffe and Huss. <laughs> um, and it wasn't, you know, for a couple of years before these doctrines were, were 
codified and understood and began to be taught. But this was the spark that lit the fire. So this is the 505th anniversary of Reformation Day. And it's also Halloween. And so tonight we will have children dressing up in costume and going around trick-or-treating. Well, how did the trick-or-treat... Trick-or-treat thing is an, is an American thing. And, and the, the modern trick-or-treat festivity celebration, dressing up in costumes and going around asking for treats, is an American thing. And it's really interesting to look at the origin of it. Now, America has exported it to the rest of the world. How did it develop here? Well, it really goes back to 1605 and the gunpowder plot in England. I talk a lot about the gunpowder plot in the November episode of Echo Zoe Radio with Andy Olson. And I'm not going to redo all of that here. Um, you can listen to all of that then. But understand, the gunpowder plot was a plot to kill the king and parliament by blowing up the House of Lords on the opening day, opening ceremonies of Parliament when the king is addressing Parliament. And it was done by a group of Roman Catholics who were trying to kill the king to establish, to, to reestablish a Catholic monarchy in England. They failed. They were caught. Specifically, the, the man who was caught with literally the fuse in his hand was a Catholic former soldier named Guy Fox. He was not the ringleader of the plot, but he was the explosives expert, and he was the one that was in the basement of Parliament with the gunpowder to blow up Parliament. He got caught. He got caught on the night of November 4th, November, you know, morning of November 5th. So November 5th is the celebration day for the deliverance of the king and parliament from this Roman Catholic plot. And it is celebrated in England and has been, like I said, since 1605 um, by what they call bonfire night. It's a night of fireworks, it's a night of bonfires, it's a night of celebration. All during the day, children go around with effigies of Guy Fawkes, and in some areas, effigies of the Pope, and they ask for coins, donated, you know, pocket money for kids. And then those effigies are then burnt on the bonfires. So they'll go around, the, the thing is a penny for the guy. Well, bonfire night became a night of pranks. And they would go around and they would do pranks during the evening. Was, you had kids staying up late after dark, bonfires going on. There's no TV, there's no internet. They're, they're getting into mischief as children will. And somebody came up with the idea, and I don't know who, of bribing the children not to 
do their pranks. We will give you treats if you stop your tricks. And so I don't know how, but that's how it came to the United States. It's from the, the bonfire night. But somehow it migrated from November 5th to October 31st and Halloween. And I don't know why. Um, that's something that would be worth another, another look at and do some research. But trick or treat on Halloween in many ways dates back to November 5th in 1605 when the gunpowder plot failed. And we've got just a few days before the November 5th. So, But today is Reformation Day. Today is Halloween. So if a kid comes around asking for candy, give him a candy. That's the, the right thing to do. If you're celebrating tonight, make sure it's a wholesome celebration. And I wish you the best of Halloweens and the best of Reformation Days. Remember as you go through the day to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. And whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Channel. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.